Hi, everybody. This is your host, Ben Klenner, and welcome to the Probiotic Life. This podcast is where we explore the intricate relationships between human health, soil health, and ecological systems. Join me now for another exploratory conversation on the probiotic life. Welcome, welcome, and thanks for tuning in to The Probiotic Life. I am your host, Ben Klenner. Today, we are talking to a recording artist, activist, and self-taught soil nerd. Finian Makepeace is the co-founder of Kiss the Ground, and he has a passion to leave a legacy of positive change. So, He is committed to keeping Kiss the Ground, a pioneer movement advocating for regenerative agriculture and building soil carbon. You can check out all of their stuff on kisstheground.com. And before we get into the interview, I'd like to give a shout out to all of those people who have supported the podcast and today especially to those who have given a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you guys for supporting the show. And talking about supporting the show, we still have some sponsorship positions open. So if you have or if you know of a business that you think would come into alignment with the values shared on the podcast, drop me a line and let me know. Also, if you have any ideas or feedback on the podcast, drop me a line too. I'd love to hear from you guys. So, Kiss the Ground has been a real inspiration for this podcast. Not only what they do, but how they do it. So, it was a real honor for me to interview Finian. In this interview, you might hear a bit of background noise because Finian was driving around for some of it. But, without further ado, here is the interview with Finian Makepeace. Today, our guest is a recording artist, activist, and the co-founder of Kiss the Ground. Welcome to the show, Finian Makepeace. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, um, you know, Kiss the Ground has been an inspiration uh, to kick off this podcast, and I know it's been an inspiration for a lot of people, so I'd love to hear about that. But Finian, would love to hear uh, a bit more about you, about, you know, where did you come from and how did you get to this place? Mm. So, yeah, would you would you share with us? Yeah, great, great opener. Um, I grew up homeschooled and out in the woods most of my life. Uh, mother was an avid gardener, um, things like composting and eating a lot of food from the garden. So why I think that's important is there are things in our lives that, that prime us, set us up for our big discoveries or the big epiphanies we have. It doesn't usually just come out of the blue. 
fast forward a bit and then uh, my early schooling, homeschooling with homeschool programs that were very outdoors oriented and nature oriented uh, and taught to look outside and critically think and, and look at big picture holistic systems. Um, and then my, my high school was an alternative school where I had amazing bio- biology teachers and my senior year, I was actually uh, studying with Cornell University in upstate New York, Ithaca. Uh, I was included in a teeny study or a big study for them, but I was in a small, small part of it just doing sample testing. But basically, it was one of the first major studies that was showing that mycorrhizal fungi were the reason that these oak groves, I believe they were, were able to defend themselves from airborne viruses miles and miles apart from each other. So um, fast forward even further in time, uh, the other co-founder of Kiss the Ground is Ryland Engelhart. He's a friend of mine from childhood. Um, He told me he had just heard about some big, crazy big idea that he thought was huge. And uh, this is uh, in my late 20s. And, you know, I've been an environmentalist and activist for most of my life. And uh, felt like I was in the what I would call the 95th, 98th percentile of people who understood what was happening with climate change. Uh, and he had this guy named Graham stop in L.A. and we set up an auditorium for him to speak to us. And this guy named Graham gave a four-hour lecture. His name is Graham Sate. You probably know of him. Um, from Nutritech, he's one of the, the leading teachers of regenerative agriculture, biological agriculture. Uh, anyway, he gave us a private talk for four hours, and it was just all of this information, so rich, so detailed, so scientific, but I had a great scientific background, and I was just gobbling it up, and I was like, if this is true, if this is all real, what he just told me, this is the biggest piece of information, and if I didn't know, I'm pretty sure 95% of the population in the world probably doesn't know. And it would turn out to be a fair and accurate assessment and judgment of our current understanding of this whole soil system, the whole regenerative system. So that very night, Ryland and myself and a few others went back to Ryland's house and literally said, we are going to get this message out. We didn't know what we were going to be. We didn't know Kiss the Ground was going to exist. I was a musician, Ryland, just restaurant owner. It was just like, we got to do it. Not enough people are doing it. Not enough media, there's not enough uh, things written, there's not enough small, bite-sized pieces people can understand about this. We got to get this message out. So that was the birth of Kiss the Ground. It was just a you know a pivotal moment, but there were primers in my life that got me ready for that and really ready to hear that and understand it and understand the profound area that this is and, and the profound intersection that this is for everything that we're facing whether it's climate change drought blah 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 so um yeah it was it was one of those moments where i was like okay i guess my life will be about this moving forward and and has for sure so. graham's had that um effect on me too Finian. you know probably should have told you we actually <laughs> uh, had him on the podcast not too long ago and, oh great! And I've had um, some great response. People actually emailing me, emailing me, telling me that that one specifically has changed their life. So, you know, he really brings across the the um, seriousness, but also the hope that we actually can do something about this. Problem. Yeah, 
It was exactly it. It was basically like if I die an old man, knowing this idea, what a scumbag I'll be for not having told everyone because it's you know he gives the hope. It's like well, this is our only. This is really is our only major solution to our current paradigm of destruction and, and degeneration and and extraction. So, so Finian, when I was um, doing a bit of googling on you last night, I um, I saw that you grew up in Ithaca, New York. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. Um, it's very interesting because for me, um, Ithaca has a, a, a special place in my heart. I spent a summer there with one of my best friends. Um, his his dad actually taught at um, Cornell University. And, awesome. Um, I just remember going. We pretty much lived the whole summer down at a at a little um, river down there. Uh, we would, used to go cliff jumping pretty much every day, oh, yeah. and <laughs> all this sort of stuff. Um, for me, that was a, a yeah. connection to nature. Is that, oh, is that yeah. uh, sort of the same, similar to you being in, in Ithaca? Yeah, and I, I had an you know, extreme version of it, not, not having to go to school for most of my childhood, um, being homeschooled and, and then going to school systems that were pushing nature connection. So yeah, I, I had plenty of, of nature as a child, and I, I definitely think it, it gave me an appreciation for the wonder and all. I mean, when I was a kid, my schooling was like, you know, draw this bud for three months and watch this thing turn into a whole amazing thriving flower leaf, you know, like things like that were my homework of like, wow, just watch how nature unfolds in front of your eyes. It's epic. So, yeah. um, you know, I probably knew what stomata were way before most kids, you know, just like stuff that's like, learn about this. It's fascinating. It's amazing. It's right outside your door. And I spent a bunch of time in the woods. So, so was there like a pivotal moment that, that you can actually remember, like um, either like a mindset shift, or maybe something that your parents told you, or you realized that your parents were teaching you? Um, I think over looking back on it, um, I think it was probably the unschooling of schooling. Um, I have moments where you know. My parents were, were very smart people and would, would go into detail and questions. But a lot of times it was like letting me find the answers and saying, okay, well, like, what do you think about? Like, let's, let's discover and allowing for self-discovery. And I think that for me as a kind of now a self-taught soil scientist, that's a big basis of that for me um, is feeling like I can research something on my own. I can discover it on my own. I can find this out. So my parents, even before the internet existed, obviously for us, they were encouraging self-thought and, and getting into like, okay, let's let's analyze this. But having me be the leader of the research versus the opposite of schooling, which I think is just having a kid pass a test and regurgitate things, not not based on their own inquisitiveness. For sure. So that's like more of a um, experiential knowledge rather than a, uh, a rote. Yeah, which I think really gave me the the basis to feel confident in becoming a self-taught soil, basically. I just like, okay, I got to learn this. I'm going to learn it. Okay, here you go. <laughs> you know, I didn't ha- I didn't think like, oh, no, I, have to- I didn't go to school for this. I-, I can't do this. I was just like, oh, I just learn. Call the people. Call the experts. Do it, you know. That's great, and there's so much um, information out there now. I think the uh, the uh, issue is getting clarity on on what in- information to ingest. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about Kiss the Ground. So you came into Kiss the Ground from um, being a recording artist and, and uh, musician songwriter. Is that right? Yeah. And wh- how how did how did that transition go? You, you're still performing uh, music now. Not nearly as much. Um, I always thought it would be like, oh yeah, I do Kiss the Ground part time, but. You know, when, when ideas are this big and this profound and, and this have this big of potential, it feels most of the time, you know, it feels totally okay that music has taken a somewhat of a backseat because of how important this is. So, you know, sometimes I'm sad I don't tour as much anymore and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I feel very, I feel very fulfilled that I'm, I'm being used to serve a, an idea up to the world that's time has come. Cool. Okay. So, so what is it that you actually do from day to day these days? So kiss the ground, I kiss the ground right now. I'm the director of media and storytelling. So, and communication. So all of what kiss the ground is presenting to the world. Um, I am supervising and oftentimes seeding ideas for it. So I spend a lot of time thinking about how we can portray these ideas and get them through to people uh, and but as our as our team has grown, it's been amazing to watch uh, everyone come into their own with getting this story and understanding it and being able to be be the the ideators themselves. So mm-hmm. um, learning curve, everyone goes through a learning curve on this. Um, so it's been really great to watch that happen and watch the team grow. And and what I'm really excited about right now is I just we did a trial run in, in the fall. But now we have the official first Kiss the Ground speaker training course. For such a long time, I was saying to myself, we need more trained advocates. And I spend a bunch of time preparing for speaking and creating slides and getting the ideas boiled down, getting the talking points ready. But a lot of times there are people who who want to get involved with this but are kind of permanently sideline players or bench warmers to some respect. And I, I had a really big push for myself to say, wait, how can I help get these people on the bench, like start playing ball, start playing in the game. So great. The speaker training course was really say, okay, uh, you don't have to do all these slides yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come up with all these talking points and do this. Let's, you know, use what I have as much as you want, but really encouraging people to, to take it on and see that it's possible to become advocates so healthy soil advocates, regenerative advocates, and generally, if you want, become an ambassador to kiss the ground. And it's been super successful. I think we had, uh, at this point, we have about a, over 100 people doing the online version and then about 15 people in class because it's a teeny classroom. I think we have about 15 countries taking part on the online version. It's a live class every Monday night, uh, and it's starting again in April, April 17th on Tuesdays. Um, but that'll be open for people to join online all over the world and, and become trained in being a, a speaker and advocate for, for this whole idea. Fantastic. So that's one of the most exciting things that I'm responsible for right now in terms of, you know, and I'm also finishing writing the regenerative agriculture story right now, which is a follow-up to the soil story and the compost story, and then curating and overseeing all the other content we make. That's great. So you're really excited about this uh, speaker training program. What what mm-hmm. are the sort of things that uh, you're you're teaching, you're showcasing to people? Is it more like the actual mindset behind speaker, or some of that, some of the um... scientific content? 
signs. Yeah, so it's 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 about seventy thirty. Um, so about seventy percent content and about thirty percent training on speaking uh, and getting tips and tricks and and ways to to prepare your presentation mentally and ways to exercise your your speaking ability. But the thing I'm most excited about in all of this right now is giving people the talking points and the tools to articulate the big idea. And to me, the big idea, it's it's overarching from the soil building process itself, which again is extraordinary and is a big idea unto itself. But even above that, that I'm the thing I'm really passionate about delivering to advocates and giving them the tools for is articulating this big difference between degenerative, sustainable, and regenerative. Giving people the lexicon and the ability to say, look, this movement is not a sustainability movement. This is a regenerative movement. And being able to describe and articulate clearly to most people, even environmentalists who are listening to them, to be able to distinguish being like, you probably think I'm just talking about sustainability here, but let me show you, let me tell you and explain to you why regenerative is a completely different way of humanity interacting and relating to nature in all ways. So that to me is really exciting to see how more people getting the ability to articulate this means that we have the potential to have governments, businesses, uh, healthcare providers, all these people in the world who are interacting, uh, you know, even you know, people who are in municipal water district uh, agencies. Um, if people are thinking regeneratively, that is a different thinking than a majority of the world is thinking in right now. Um, and that's exciting to me. So, for sure. Um, I really appreciate what you guys at Kiss the Ground are doing because I think it really is. From, from an outsider's perspective from, well, over, over the ocean, um, I can see what's happening because, you know, I grew up in Vancouver. Vancouver's a pretty sort of um, green city. Uh, Perth, on the other hand, some people don't even really understand what sustainability is, let alone regener- regeneration. Right. So um, looking at it, I, I look to um, at least the west coast of North America to, to see what's happening over there and bring it over here. So it's really exciting to see that mindset uh, shift and, and the language change that follows that mindset shift. Yeah, and it's what I think is even even more uni- cool about it is how universal it really is. Like people don't, what I say often is like people don't need to get sustainability first. Like you can have people go from degenerative, extractive, to regenerative, and it can make just as much, if not more, sense. Like in a lot of ways, sustainability is like the good-hearted, nice person's reaction to humans being degenerative. It's like the person who gives a shit is the person who's like, "Oh, we we got to stop doing so much harm." But you can also have the person who's like concerned about making economics work and concerned about their livelihood and concerned about, you know, whatever it is, you can have them jump from degenerative to regenerative and actually have everything work in their favor without having to push sustainability on them. Does that make sense? It's like, you don't have to make people feel bad 
about all the damage they're doing. You can just have them being like, everything in your life is going to work better if you work regeneratively. Why don't you just try this? And that's what's so exciting, how universal and and uncorrupted uh, by um, people's political beliefs, it just is. Regenerative just is better. It just makes more sense. It makes more economic sense, blah, 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 you know? For sure. Um, it's interesting to see this sort of happen in um, some countries that are less developed because I think they are leapfrogging over some of our yes. uh, the Western countries because they don't have a um, – well, they don't have as much, uh, you know, anything tied up in Baggage. assets or, yeah. or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. So they're actually jumping over us. But like you said – uh, that what you said just reminds me of what Tony Robbins talks about. You know, it's like it's either pain or pleasure. Pleasure is what everyone's striving for, essentially at you know the core of their being. So let's just uh, present them with that. Yeah, and and that's available without this old repercussions and unintended consequences that have just been a part of everything because we didn't have the knowledge and the the proof, if you will that this regenerative system works. For sure. So Kiss the Ground is, um, has been spearheading uh, this movement and you just came out with a, a book last year. Yeah. And you've got a, a movie coming out this year, right? So do you yeah. want to share with us a little bit about those projects? Yeah, so the book uh, authored by Josh Tickell, the same gentleman who whose film company created the the movie Kiss the Ground. Uh, we are partners with them on, on both projects. And the book just came out in November. Personally, I was amazed by the quality of the book, the the page-turning ability, the kind of uh, how, how enthralled I was to just read it, not just because I'm a soil geek, but I think it's written really well. And it really takes uh, the same, a similar path of the movie but because it's a book, you kind of take chapter by chapter of, of different folks who are highlighted, different areas that are highlighted. And this kind of takes you into these different places and gives you the sense that you're there. You really feel it. And I recommend the book really highly. It, it really gives a, a great perspective of the regenerative agriculture movement. And the movie now, um, which is executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio, and we have the voiceover um, of Woody Harrelson and... It's a really phenomenal movie so far, and it's still getting final, final, final touches on it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming super soon. Well, it's going to be going to film festivals this spring, and then it's out for the public looking at September, I believe. Fantastic. Well, um, we'll definitely put the links up to both of those and to Kiss the Ground and anything else that you um, you want to plug for sure. Definitely want to support you um, from the probiotic life. So kisstheground.com, go to our, our Facebook. We really love the interactions that happen on Facebook. Uh, visit us at kisstheground, uh, our facebook.com forward slash kissthegroundca for California. And then on Instagram at, at kisstheground. Um, we'd love to interact with you there. Also, we're, we're wanting to hear more stories. We just launched this big blog initiative. We want writers who are contributing uh you know, not just one piece, but ongoing contributors to our blog series. So people who want to start telling this story, uh, you know, going to farms and, and, and being reporters on regenerative. The movement needs it. We would love to curate it for you. Uh, so, yeah, if you have a blog, 
you're a writer, you want to get involved with that, you can contact info at kissetheground.com. Um, and then, of course, I would love more people to, to get involved with the speaker training course, become an advocate, and feel confident about it. Uh, starting The next one starting April 17th. And you can email tra- uh, speakertraining at kissetheground.com to learn more about how to get enrolled in that. Fantastic. Well, uh, you know, that's uh, sort of, I think we have a lot of people listening that are, are on the same uh, wavelength. They're either just starting to get a revelation about this, about um, the microbiome and the, the soil biome, yeah. or they're people who are actually uh, want to take this to the next level. So uh, anyone who, who wants to check out Kiss the Ground and all of those links that Finian mentioned... And now, Finian, we'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, the microbiome because <clears throat> the probiotic life is about creating life around us. So um, what I say is that, uh, you know, you get your soil healthy, then the plants get healthy, then the humans get healthy, then the community gets healthy, and then the ecosystem gets healthy. Yeah. So we want to try and, we want to try and make those connections. So um, we've talked to... Um, someone who was actually one of the key scientists in the American Gut Project. Yeah. Um, em- Embriette. And she just did a fantastic job of getting right down to um, what's happening in our microbiome as, as much as we understand. Yeah. I'd love you to share a little bit about your insights or the people that you've talked to. How is our microbiome connected to the soil? Great question. Um well, first, I want to just throw out a couple of fun talking points that I use, and I, I welcome people to just use these because they're, they're kind of universal. Um, first thing I, I bring up to people is that our taste buds are very well designed. They're designed to be able to in, increase our consumption of things that are really good for us. Now, in the past 150 years plus, Humans have had more access than previous generations to whatever the heck we want. And uh, relatively recently in time, we've started to be able to have fake flavors and trick our taste buds into things that it should eat or want. And some of the things that we crave that we, you know, if we crave, uh, you know, chips or these things like that aren't necessarily healthy for us. There are reasons that we crave them is because a lot of these things weren't naturally very available in nature. But now that we have them, we kind of abuse this relationship with our taste buds. But what I'm, why I want to talk about taste buds is when we're tasting the difference of healthy food and healthy food, meaning it's full of secondary metabolites and has all these key minerals that might be missing in another a food that's the exact same. So thinking about a strawberry or a tomato, and you taste one from an organic or your backyard garden and it's just like, oh my goodness, this couldn't taste any better. And you taste another tomato and it tastes like cardboard, literally. Your your body and your your design of your taste buds are telling you that there's missing stuff in one of them and the other one has all the good stuff stuff that your body wants so when you taste the cool news and you talk with dan kittredge uh from bionutrient association um the good news is is that all the preliminary studies are showing as we would suspect the things that taste better 
the things that have higher BRICS index and things that have uh, better tastes for us are actually healthier for us. They have more nutrition and more mineral available content for us. So they're actually healthier and better for us. So the cool news is, is that those things are grown in better soil conditions. So it's, it's a great sneaky way. If we're supporting good tasting produce, we are most likely more than likely supporting healthy soil practices. That's the exciting news that's coming down the pipe. Um, but to now jump into the gut, um, the way I like to look at this and what's so cool, and I don't have any visuals here, so try to bear with me, but, um, when we look at the rhizosphere, which is basically the tip of plant root systems where sugars made by photosynthesis, carbohydrate sugars are being leaked out of the roots to feed the microbial communities. What's happening is the plant, and we don't know exactly how it does this yet, but um, the plant is encouraging certain bacterial communities, for example, to populate by feeding certain sugar compounds or certain tasting sugar compounds to them. And in that process, you can have more of a certain types of minerals extracted from the surrounding subsoil. And this is amazing because it's basically the plant able to defend itself, strengthen itself, and protect itself in a bunch of different ways by asking the uh, the bacteria to harvest the minerals that and, and digest them so that they become plant-available or the nematodes that eat the bacteria, whatever it might be. But they're basically pushing out sugars. They're feeding these bacterial populations or these these communities of microbes. And in that process, we're getting, the plants getting to be able to pull up those minerals. So why I'm explaining this in depth is if you reverse the plant root and did the same system inside out, you'd be dealing with the human gut. And why this is really cool is because the human gut Um, You know, when we eat kale, for example, we are not digesting the kale. We are not um, getting those minerals that we want from the kale. What's happening is the kale's coming down the gut, and just like the root, but inside out, our bodies are pushing in sugars and different things to feed certain microbial communities so that they can digest that kale and make available those nutrients through that process. Does that make sense? So do you see how it's an inverse of a root tip? You reverse it in, like a sock. You inverse it, reverse it inside out, and the, the same thing is basically happening where our body is feeding the bacteria to harvest minerals like the plant is feeding the biology sugars to get the minerals from the soil. Does that make sense? For sure. It's, it's like we have a roots inside us in our gut. Or yes. you could say like the plants have a stomach under the ground. <laughs> yes reverse just flip them whatever you're talking about yeah exactly just so it's just inside out so that's a really fun way to look at it and and really what's so cool is how accurate and real it is and you look at it scientifically but it's a cool cool metaphor to articulate this for sure and you know um a lot of people in uh the health movement uh people like uh dr axe uh, all those sort of like leading um, scientists and doctors are talking about soil-based organisms, SBOs, which they're including in pill form 
um, probiotics now because we're realizing that everything is all connected. And we're realizing, yeah, we've just been basically annihilating the essential biology. I mean, in another very simple terms, obviously, weight-wise, we're way more human than we are anything else, human cells. But number-wise, we have way more uh, bacterial and other microorganism cells inside of our body, which is fantastic. So, and then, you know, it always begs the question. Um, I always like to think about this. There's a study that was done, I believe, through Cornell University, who was working with uh, systems of rice intensification. Uh, and somehow the project expanded, and they ended up doing this study where what they thought they were finding was that bacteria in the plant cells uh, of a leaf were responsible for sending the signal to the plant roots to do to exude the certain sugars to attract certain things to protect the leaf. So then it starts to beg the question of, is it the plant? Is it us? If these bacteria and fungi were on the land, you know, for billions of years potentially or or half a billion years before plants came out of oceans onto land it really starts to beg this question of like who is controlling this whole thing and why and so a bacteria and fungi especially bacteria evolved so quickly and could be so advanced based on their multiplication rates and rate of growth and 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 adaptability and evolution who knows just a fun question to start to think about of like wow, there's a lot of things that are happening and who's calling the shots and is the plant separated from the soil system and the microbes that it's involved in? Or are they one and the same? How is this all functioning? And then the cool thing on top of that is to realize that seeds are inoculated. And we think, oh, they're inoculated, like they have the bacteria and the fungi on them. But who's to say it's that way? Who's to say the seed is not the the, um, car or the vehicle or the, the egg of the the substance of the bacteria and the fungi. So it's just fun, kind of like the, wait, why are we so assuming that it's this exterior that we're seeing? Why don't we look a little closer? And who knows? We don't know. I'm not making any assumptions. I'm just saying there's a lot to uncover here in the universe of, of the microbes. Yeah, Finian, I really appreciate the way that you are able to communicate these ideas, you know, the these... Um, little nuggets of, of wisdom that you've shared with us uh, have been communicated very well. I'd be interested to hear who has influenced you in the way that you communicate these. The, oh, uh, David Montgomery for, for the soil. Do you read his books? Uh, I've listened to some of his talks. I haven't read any of his books. Yet. Oh, the books are fantastic and his presentations are epic too, but especially for the, the hidden half of nature was a killer read for me. I just geeked out like crazy because, you know, just another f- fun fact, <laughs> fun thing to think about. Of like, uh, during the 70s, um, Carl Sagan's ex-wife, I believe, was doing all this research on mutualism and how a lot of our biggest evolutionary jumps, uh, or not our, but, you know, life's evolutionary jumps were when there was mutualism, like, you know, when the flagella attached to the other mitochondria thing and like, Oh, like now it's a thing that moves. Like that was an evolutionary jump because of mutualism, two things connecting that served each other better than being by themselves. Right. Um, but what's so interesting is during that whole time, she was having a really hard time in the U S 
doing all this research because there was so much inundation of like competitive theory, survival of the fittest, blah, blah, blah. But uh, across the pond, again, over, we go over to Russia, so much research and stuff happening on the exact political climates uh, dictating what, how our brains are thinking and how we're getting funding to, to design experiments. Those are pretty fun. But anyway, uh, David's a fantastic writer. I really recommend his books um, always to people. If you really want to get some of these fun nuggets of how to think about, uh, especially the, um, the hidden half of nature, the smaller side of it. Um, so yeah, that, sure. that's a highly recommended one. So, so David Mike Montgomery, he he's actually trained in geology. Is that right? Yeah, he's. I, th- I think he's both us, but mostly he was primarily a geologist. Yes. Um, and uh, I was really inspired by the story of his wife building soil in their backyard in uh, in the Seattle area, and how fast it actually um, was built compared to what some scientists were saying that it takes a thousand years. To, um, to build like an inch of soil. Yeah, we had no idea how fast we can build soil. Like another fantastic speaker that I encourage people to look up is Alan Williams, Dr. Alan Williams. And he does training for ranching. And personally, like he's got numbers in terms of soil organic matter increases, infiltration rate increases that are just mind boggling. Um, in a strictly uh, photosynthetic uh, and grassland system, you can do the same thing just as fast. And that's what I'm so excited about, on a large scale, pulling in tons and tons of carbon per acre, build, building soil at 1% soil organic matter per year. That's insane. That's just amazing. It's so far beyond anything we thought was possible. Mm-hmm. So, Finian, it sounds like there is some change happening or starting to happen. And um, uh, I read that you were actually part of uh, writing some of the legislation for the city of LA in terms of uh, compost and soil. Yeah. But how how can um, people apply this on on an individual level, on at, just at their home um, with what they've got already? Um. That's a great question. People live in so many different environments in terms of apartments, homes. But I think starting with composting, I'm glad you brought it up. It's such a, at the end of the day, it's a very easy and practical thing to do. And it solves so many issues that we're already dealing with that I really encourage people to do it. Take the bold step of watching two YouTube videos and being an expert. Like that's all it takes. It's not rocket science. Uh, it's not, mm-hmm. you're not expected to have the best compost in, in the world, but why it's so practical and really needs to be the calling to, to anyone living in a city or country, or whatever it is, is that currently we're putting organic material into our trash and I personally don't have smelly trash ever. So the fact that most people are used to having trash that smells bad, stinky, gross trash, the reason they have stinky, gross trash is they're throwing organic material into their trash bin 
and it's starting to putrefy or anaerobically digest. That means it's starting to break down without enough oxygen source, and that's where the bad smells come from, right? So you say, okay, so I don't throw things in my trash anymore. And you'd be like, oh, that's great, because now I reduced my amount of trash and my poundage of trash a lot also. So I've actually reduced the amount of trash I have to take out, how often I have to take it out. But one of the biggest um, recommendations I have for people who are starting to compost is get a container, uh, about a half gallon size container or something, and put it in your freezer and store your compost in your freezer. This eliminates all fruit fly problems, all stinky, anaerobically, squishy, gross, nasty smelling stuff that can happen on your counter. So if people are going to be successful composters, Number one thing, put your compost before you take it out to your outside compost. Put it in the freezer. Put your compost container in the freezer. Eliminates all smell. Takes your gross trash smell plus your potential gross compost smell away. Number two is get a compost bin um, that you have a browns bin right next to it. Why this is so important is a lot of people will just go out to their compost and throw their heavily... Uh, nitrogen-based material on top of itself, on top of itself. Food scraps, grass clippings, um, anything green, uh, but food scraps are very high in nitrogen. So you want to have an equal nitrogen to, to carbon ratio on your compost to keep it so it's not anaerobically digesting again and making those bad smells. So what I really encourage in, in also decreasing flies is I encourage people to have a, sep- a side bin where they put leaves or ripped up newspaper or anything that's a, a carbon-based material. And you put that on the side, and then when you throw your compost and you just dash it with uh, some of your carbons, like take a handful of your carbons, your leaves or, or straw or something like that, and you throw it on top, and you start to layer this, kind of create this layer effect. And I also encourage people to stir it around just a little bit. You don't need to flip it too much. Just kind of make sure everything sifts together. Because sometimes you can throw a big like pan of some kind of food and it's all stuck together still. That's going to start to putrefy too because there's no oxygen supply going there. So make sure you break things like that up and intersperse them with carbon material so you can kind of like shuffle them together. Uh, but the cool thing about freezing your, your, your food scraps is you're not walking out to the compost with this gross, slimy stuff. So you just sprinkle your frozen pieces on, on your compost and you can actually move them around with your hand because they're just frozen avocado shells or frozen apple core. And they're not, there's nothing gross about it. You just like move them around and then you throw your carbon on and voila, you're done. You water it twice a month and you have epic, you birth epic, amazing, high quality compost. You become a parent, first time parent to compost. It's amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. A first-time parent to compost. I like that idea. Yeah. So those are the compost ones. Definitely, it's it's definitely one of the first. And then the the that step into living regeneratively has started. You know, you've been actively involved with it. And then for people, start asking, start inquiring, start saying, how can I source this? Being like, Really, these eggs were really being this destructive with the eggs I buy every time. Can I spend a dollar more per carton of eggs and get eggs that are raised on pasture and actually regenerative, regenerating the ground because they're moving the pastures 
around and they have a, a system and, you know, I can go find out their story on their website, find out, go to your farmer's market, start asking these questions. We're putting out a purchasing guide. I think it's next week. We're putting out a purchasing guide with some other videos and things to, to pair along with it. But these are questions we can start asking and asking is just as important. You don't have to be like a conceited jerk about it, but you can just start saying, Hey, I'm interested. Like, how are you guys doing uh, soil building practices? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, well, are you doing any no-till where you can? Are you, are you adding compost? Are you reducing chemical inputs? Like what, what chemical inputs do you use? Do you leave the soil bare during the winter? Do you use cover crops? Like these are things we can start to plug into farmers' minds and lo and behold, the farmers with the best soil practices, they're going to have the best tasting food anyway. So that's where all the chefs will be going. They'll be going to the, the farmers. We did a little experiment in, in Santa Monica where we've, we just went and interviewed all the, the farmers. And at the end of the day, we finally found one farmer who had all the check, checked off the list for doing regenerative practices. And then we started noticing all of the chefs from the area who were coming to source were buying their food from them. Just another little, again, wasn't super scientific, but just a cool little thing that happened out in the field of like, well, the better tasting food comes from better soil. So. Isn't that interesting? So uh, if anyone's got questions about that, why don't you ask your local chef to see where they get their food from? That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, those sound like some great uh, takeaways for our listeners, Finian. Awesome. Um, and I'd love to just ask you uh, one question that I ask most of the guests is about the probiotic life. You know, probiotic, um, the way that I describe it and the way the listeners are, listeners are sort of living is creating life around us, whether that's in the soil or in our home. What does a probiotic life mean to you? Well, I love it because um, I love that you're taking it outside of the initial context where people relate to them and probiotics as, as specific things for specific matters and just generalizing probiotic life. Um, life is wants to be regenerative and humanity tends to stunt that amazing capacity of pretty much everything in nature to regenerate and and move to a higher ecosystem holding capacity and, and water restoration, for example. Um, so I really love that you're you're pushing to people that we can be instead of just less bad and doing less harm, we can regenerate and restore and restore vitality in ourselves store vitality in our, in our communities, in our own backyard. Um, we can start to do these things that life is, is, is wanting to move in that direction. It is designed to always move in that direction. And it's not that much work for us to help it and to, to see cascading effects, meaning like trophic cascading effects where life begets life begets more life. That's what's so beautiful is like being probiotic I'm going to start using that, by the way, if you're cool with it, because um, yeah, I cool. love that it expands outside of just a, a context of something you can pop a pill with. But being probiotic uh, is basically being regenerative, living regeneratively. So, uh, But it, it, it attaches it more to the life that begets life and the trophic cascading effects of allowing and helping and ushering in the system of nature to, to repair itself like it wants to. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like um, 
sounds like really good uh, ideas and thoughts to uh, mull over for the end of the conversation. So, Finian, I really appreciate your time mm. and thanks for being on The Probiotic Life. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Sign up for our speaker training course April 17th. We'd love to have you write to speakertraining at kisstheground.com. Fantastic. Awesome. There you go. If you're keen to be a soil advocate, you can reach out to Kiss the Ground. We'll put all of those links in the show notes. And uh, soon I'm hoping to be able to meet more of these people in person and have consistently better audio for you guys. What can I say? I'm a bit of an audiophile. I guess it's a good thing I'm doing a podcast. Um, I'd love for you guys to tell me what you think. Did you like this episode? Do you want to hear more on regenerative agriculture? Uh, We've got some great episodes coming up on fermentation and nutrition. Would you like to hear more on those ones? Drop me a line and I'd love to connect with you guys. So until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to The Probiotic Life. You can find us on Facebook at The Probiotic Life, on Instagram, The Probiotic Life, and on our website, theprobiotic.life.